Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 343. When we plan a Royal Caribbean cruise, the notion of your cruise being interrupted doesn't usually cross our minds, but on rare occasions, it can happen. You may have read a few weeks ago about one Anthem of the Sea sailing that ended up being delayed for a few days due to a false report of coronavirus being on board. One cruiser who was booked on this sailing shares what the experience was like and what to know if your cruise is ever impacted by a major delay. Here we go. When we plan our Royal Caribbean cruises, we often hope and expect, quite frankly, that everything is going to go as smoothly as possible and really anticipating problems is probably one of the last things we consider. But on some rare occasions, it does happen. And on this week's episode, we're actually talking to a friend of ours who experienced something like this to kind of hopefully share with all of you some good points and things to look at if this were to ever happen to you. And joining me back on this episode is Mr. Kurt Pressure joining us back here. Welcome, Kurt. Hi, Matt. And Kurt, we'll have you on here because you were on the uh, Anthem of the Seas cruise that a number of weeks ago was impacted by a coronavirus scare. And I'll post a link in our show notes at royalcreamblog.com to the articles <laughs> that kind of uh, lead you through what happened over there. But in a nutshell, Anthem of the Seas was returning to uh, Bayonne, New Jersey, as per usual from our cruise. And the news, the local news, started running with a uh, report that one of the crew, one of the, one of the guests on board, who was Asian, I believe, had was getting sick, and essentially there was a concern that coronavirus may be on board the ship. And what ended up happening was the ship was delayed a number of days leaving port, despite the fact that the local officials and the CDC ruled that the ship was fine to leave. Royal Caribbean decided to err on the side of caution, I think in a PR move, quite frankly, to try to ensure there was absolutely positively no cause for concern. And then as a result, there was a shortened sailing. And Kurt, I wanted to talk to you about this because obviously there was a lot of things that were going on uh, in those days leading up to it. And in the end, you ended up going on a cruise, but it was a vastly different sailing. So let's go through this. Uh, I want to start at the beginning, Kurt, because you're at home, I imagine, right, when all this started happening. Um, no, actually, we'd uh, gone a day early and spent the night in New York City, so we were we were already committed to the trip at that point. Okay. And how did you first hear about the there was anything going on? Um, the first indication, as I recall, was a text message from Royal Caribbean saying that they were delaying. For the same day, though, they just wanted time to do extra cleaning. And that happens occasionally, I know, for, uh, you know, viruses that break out on board where they want to swab everything down. Absolutely. And that you're right. That happens with norovirus and other situations. So, okay, so just a delay in, in boarding. Uh, so what was the next thing that occurred? Major. Um, well, I mean, we got that text message, but then... Um, there was, I, I think at that point, the news was starting to pick it up, at least the local news in the area, because we were in the New York area already and we could see local uh, New York and New Jersey news. Um, and we were also on a Facebook group. And I, I have to say that, you know, people were picking up bits and pieces from different news outlets. So it was kind of filling in some of the gaps that there's, there was this speculation that there might be some, uh, 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 coronavirus on board. 
Absolutely, and that, that's something that I've seen. I, I remember when, Kurt, I sailed on Navigator, this is out of Galveston, and there was a fog delay. And when they have delays, unfortunately, it's a very fluid situation. I wish, I think we all wish Rail had, like, the exact, you know, beta bill to predict everything that was going to happen. But in a lot of cases, it's a it's a moving target. And I remember having a Facebook group as well about for that sailing about, oh, what's going to happen? How is that going to impact us? And there have been other situations similar to that. And that is a you know one of the things I like doing before a cruise anyway, once you have a sailing, is to see if there is a Facebook group for that particular sailing. You go on Facebook, search for your ship name and the date that you're sailing on. And if there is a group there, you which there usually is for most sailings, you know, you can find at least a couple people that'll be on board and kind of mostly just get excited. But in a situation like this, I'm sure it's at least helps, like you said, fill that void. It does, but you have to be careful because uh, there's rampant speculation in that process. <laughs> and a lot Absolutely. of people state things that uh, aren't exactly true. I remember one person that got everyone excited that said the cruise is canceled. And yeah. that was a long way from the truth at that point. Yeah. So what ended up happening, How I know there were multiple delays and there were multiple new targets, right? Because you originally it was just a couple hour delay. Then right. they said, I think you were supposed to go the next day, but it ended up being, I think you missed like two or three days, right? Yeah, they, they they said that we were supposed to leave the following day, which would have been Saturday. And so I checked into a hotel when I, as soon as I got that news, uh, a little closer to the port, kind of a popular one. There was an embassy suite, so a lot of people stay at. And so... Um, so I made one reservation and it was still kind of nebulous and I, I don't think we were getting a lot of reporting at that time. It was just, you're going to go on Saturday. Um, but then more reports came out that said, uh, stay tuned, <laughs> things are happening. So eventually after, after multiple messages, uh, we found out that it was scheduled to sail on Monday. And so a lot of people, it, and some of the, some of the messages were delayed because obviously they were working behind the scenes trying to reschedule ports and so forth, understanding that they weren't going to make our original ports. There's just not enough time to do that. Um, and some of that, like I can recall one time where we were supposed to get a message at three and they said, well, we'll know all the answers at that point. And then three came and went and, you know, five minutes later, people in a Facebook group complaining that, that was, you know, hey, it's three o'clock and they didn't announce anything. And then the announcement turned into, we'll tell you at five o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So well, they, I, I can imagine all of the logistics that went into trying to change our sailing around. Um, and there were some modifications about where we were going to go that were originally posted. But ultimately, we went to Bermuda. So I, I was happy in the long run. Absolutely. And in retrospect, the bigger problem was what Relkerman was doing is they were waiting for, they decided to wait for the uh, Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, to run tests because the uh, the people that were sick were obviously escorted off the ship. A couple of them were almost immediately let go. I think there were a couple that maybe had to go to the hospital for testing. And they had to have the, in order to, the test isn't like a over-the-counter test they have for coronavirus. It has to go through the CDC. And we later found out the CDC was running behind schedule. There were a number of, they were running so many tests that, and this came from the governor of New Jersey, that there was a delay in getting those tests processed. And um, yeah, I'm actually, I just found the post here. There's 27 passengers who were 
Uh, there, 23 were cleared and four individuals had to go to the hospital and the, we we're waiting for the test on the four. But in the end, the four, I think one person had influenza A, the flu, and the others were clear. And in the end, you know, it was all fine. This is, by the way, again, Royal Caribbean could have sailed on time. I mean, a couple hours late, but same day that they were scheduled to go on that Friday by local officials that cleared them. The CDC had said there were below low risk of this, but I think Royal Caribbean decided that this is a situation where I really believe they were, you know, uh, you know, they, there was no, there was no winning for them. If they had gone along with it, people would have been up. Some people would have been up in arms like, Oh my goodness, they're putting profit before, before safety. Right. And then in, when they delay, I know there were people that were upset because their cruise was ruined, quite frankly, in, in a lot of cases, because they had planned on, you know, this particular vacation and it got obviously shortened and there were refunds and whatnot, but it still doesn't, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those no win situations for the cruise line. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm glad a, your cruise wasn't canceled and B you actually got a pretty interesting itinerary out of it. Yeah, we did. And and you're right. The, the cruise was, uh, allowed to sail and they just, uh, decided to not do that. And uh, I, I, that made me feel better, frankly. Um, it didn't, uh, it, it didn't add anything, but it, it gave us some peace of mind to find out that, no, there was no coronavirus. It was only the flu. And, um, you know, it, it made everything more comfortable once we were on board. That's good to hear. What was the vibe from other guests on board? Um, well, the people that remained were very happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, obviously some people either chose not to because the delay was too long. And, uh, my wife was a little antsy, uh, when it, you know, it had been pushed back so many times that I think there was a sense of frustration. Um, like, you know, we're going to stick around till Monday and then what's going to happen. But right. I, from what I understand, some of the people in the Facebook groups or, or maybe other people were, were petitioning Royal to let us on early. Yeah, we're going to sail on Monday, but what can we get on on Sunday? And ultimately, that's what we did is we got on on Sunday and there was a message saying you can do that, but you might have to carry your own bags on. But the port was so empty that whatever staff they had was more than enough to handle the volume that they had. I was on the ship at 2.30, even though the embarkation time was supposed to be 3. Nice. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the... And it sounds like you basically took a made a positive out of a, a negative situation there. And uh, I know that there were some folks that actually um, some friends of mine who used to run the um, Crowncast podcast were supposed to go on on your sailing. They live in upstate New York, and they ended up canceling um, because they just figured, well, this wasn't the sailing we wanted to do. You know, vacation time, blah blah blah. And it made more sense for them to rebook for a for a different day. But um, they ended up sending you. You were supposed to originally go to what the Bahamas and and Perfect Day. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Port Canaveral, uh, Perfect Day, and the Bahamas, and I was really excited about Coco Cay, so that was it was one of the big disappointments for me. But I also have a son that lives in uh, Orlando, and visiting Port Canaveral isn't a big highlight for some people, but that was going to be an opportunity to catch up with him as well. So those, those were two disappointments. The Bahamas I've been to many times, and I, I wasn't that disappointed about that. But ultimately, we went to Bermuda, and I'd never been there, and I loved it. It was wonderful. Yeah, it must have been interesting going to Bermuda. I mean, this is off-season. We're talking February. This is not typically Royal Caribbean's uh, cruise season. It's not anybody's cruise season, really, 
in Bermuda. What was that like? Well, that was a lot of luck because uh, they had um, some, uh, from what I understand, unseasonably warm weather. It was in the 70s. It wasn't swimming weather. In fact, uh, there was a snorkel beach that was near the ship um, in King's Wharf, and that was closed. Um, but very pleasant, and uh, it's a beautiful island. It's it's one of the nicest ones I've ever been to, I'd say. That's great. Um, so what did you end up doing in Bermuda? Um, we went to Hamilton, did some walking around, had lunch, um, hit, I don't know, souvenir stores, I guess, for the nice. most part. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's a very pleasant place. Um, we were there for two days, so then the second day I went to the museum, and we were docked right near there, so it was easy walking to that, and uh, that was really pleasant. Connected to that is a dolphin experience, which I didn't participate in, but you can just, if you've paid for the museum and strolling around the grounds, you can walk in and uh, watch dolphins for a while if you want, so that's what I did. Great. So with this, um, with the altered itinerary, you get on board the ship. It's now Sunday, like you said, and the ship leaves on Monday. What was Royal Caribbean doing essentially to make up for the situation? Well, that was pretty, I mean, honestly, that was pretty generous, I thought. We got, even though we were really delayed two and a half days, they refunded half of the cruise fare minus the port, uh, minus the Something I, I don't know, but the, uh, half the cruise fare um, are gratuities for three days because everyone would have been on by the third day. Uh, whatever drink packages we had for the three days that we missed. So actually, we got a half a day's worth of value, um, but it was refunded to three days. Um, and then also a future cruise credit later for half wow. the value of the cruise. Yeah, I mean, it was essentially almost free. Oh, and the um, the hotel stays ahead of the, while we were waiting. So I had two hotel stays. I haven't seen the money yet, but I did get a response saying that it was in work. Nice. Yeah, I remember, and it's funny you mentioned that because I remember other people telling me that they were giving you a certain amount of money per day for a hotel. And then if you had flown in, there was a potential for also getting some of that um, cost if you had to obviously rebook or do something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was being impacted, which is obviously, like you said, very extremely generous. And it reminds me when I had a situation uh, just last year for during Hurricane Dorian on um, the cruise I ended up not going on. Um, I mean, you could if, if I had known what I know now, I would have definitely gone on that sailing because I think you ended up getting like the uh, it would have been a longer sailing for free, essentially. And they give you, you know, they really go above and beyond in a lot of these situations to provide you with refunds, uh, uh, extra cruise credit for later on. And it's, they don't have to do that, by the way. I mean, if you read the cruise contract, they would have, they could have easily said, well, Kurt, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, there's no money back, no money given. Like it could, I mean, that's essentially what the contract says, but obviously it's good business to uh, go above and beyond that. And Rolos demonstrated that time and time again with a lot of these situations that are out of their hands, but at the same time, they want to do good by their customers, which is really great to see. And I'm, I'm glad that it seems like Kurt, even though there's a lot of frustration because obviously no one wants to have their vacation interrupted in any way, that it seems like you kind of made the best with it. So if you were to go, if you were to like look back on this and talk to somebody who may be encountering a similar situation, what would be some of your advice for someone uh, who may be running into something like this in the future? Well, I always get travel insurance. 
So even if Royal didn't cover it, uh, the travel insurance would have covered my delay. I get it mostly for the medical, you know, aspect, the, you know, the really expensive stuff, but, um, it, it's going to cover whatever Royal didn't cover. And that was my attitude while we were waiting is that, Hey, we're around New York city. We can go do what we want to do. And guess what? Um, my stay is covered. So, um, I'm just going to ride it out and see what happens. So that that's probably the biggest thing is uh, travel insurance is a is a very comforting uh, fallback when something like this happens. At any point in the in the days or hours, however you want to look at it, before you actually got on board Anthem, did you ever think the cruise was going to be canceled? Um, sure. Yeah, okay. I thought perhaps. I mean, it you know, I mean, it did been delayed and changed around so many times that. Yeah, I wondered whether there was anywhere we could go at that point. I, I mean, you, you know. Yeah, was there ever a situation? Were you always planning on going? Like you told your wife, like, well, we're just going to go. If it's a two-day cruise, then we're going to go around, you know, New York Harbor. We're going to do that. Was there any? Like, did you ever consider perhaps just canceling it? Or were you just down for whatever was going to end up happening? Uh, myself, I was down for whatever was going to happen. I, I I just figured, and you know, I was in a unique situation, or maybe not unique, but I was in a situation where I'd driven up there and I had a car. Sure. But you know, I I ran into people in the hotel that we were in that did not have a car, and so they were kind of trapped. Although there's a big mall right across the street from where we stayed, so there was plenty. You know, there were plenty of places for them to eat and so forth. So they they weren't trap trap but uh sure. you know they're gonna run out of things to do at that point absolutely well it sounds like i mean you made the best out of uh out of the situation and in the end you've got i mean you're walking away with still a cruise vacation you're coming back with half the refund and you now have a credit towards another cruise so it seems to me like you've got some uh you know you're, you're, you're coming out ahead in, in a lot of ways yeah i'm very happy <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for, for sharing this with us. I hope that your experience can be something somebody, if someone runs into a similar situation in the future, they can immediately pull up this episode to kind of not only walk themselves back off the edge, but also have a good understanding of what to expect and how to kind of, I, I think it's really about being as flexible as you can be in understanding and, and just kind of going with the flow as, as much as, as possible. And I want to point out one more thing. Because so many people canceled, I get from the numbers I heard were out of forty eight hundred people, two thousand canceled. The ship was nearly empty, so yeah. it was <laughs> it was a very pleasant uh, experience. Uh, I, I mean, you just no no problem finding a deck chair by any means, and it's <laughs> and it's a perfect ship for colder climates because so much of it is covered. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like a. I mean. Uh, no, obviously being able to still go, I mean, it sounds like you had a great time in the end of it. And then, like I said, with the, with the money coming back to you, that's even, I mean, that's just, uh, that's, it's, it's like it, I hate to say it's a perfect scenario because obviously that's not the case. The cruise going on a schedule would have been perfect, but all things considered, I think it really ended up turning out to be not a bad way for you to spend some time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I am not disappointed that I stuck it out. All right, friends, time to answer some of your emails you've sent me. And these are basically emails about maybe questions about upcoming cruises, things you've read on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, why I'm wrong about something or maybe something else in between. And, of course, if you want to send me your emails, you're always welcome to do so by sending to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, Matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. 
First up, we got an email from Jeff who writes, Matt, I was listening to episode 338 and heard a listener question regarding early departure in a foreign port. I think I've heard a similar question on a past podcast and thought I'd write to provide my most recent experience and hopes it helps answer some of your listeners' questions. Last June, I took a 12-night British Isles cruise with my wife and daughter. It left out of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Months before the cruise, I came up with the idea of disembarking early. My wife always wanted to see London, and there were no ports on our cruise that were near London. Rather than spend the last night on the ship and return to Amsterdam, I thought it'd be fun to leave the ship in Dover and take the train up to London. I started the process by calling the General Royal Caribbean phone number. They told me to send my request to emergencyteam at rccl.com. I got a reply four days later from air underscore C underscore CCI underscore web at celebritycruises.com stating, quote, there are no regulatory restrictions that will prohibit an approval. They provide instructions to call a phone number and pay $65 to complete the request. When we got on the ship, we had a letter waiting for us in the cabin. The letter informed us that we had to debark in the afternoon by a certain time, I believe around 3 p.m. When the day came, we had an excursion in the morning and returned to the ship. We packed up and went to guest services to get a special paper that we handed to security. We left the ship as everyone was getting on board. We did not have to go through immigration or passport control. We, and another family who had the same idea, left the ship and grabbed a taxi. A few items that could be relevant that may not apply to everyone. Number one, we are U.S. citizens and U.S. citizens do not need visas to visit the U.K. Number two, Dover is a departure port for other cruise ships, including Disney. There's a terminal, staff, and most likely immigration passport control at that port. And number three, security took our pass, our CPAS cards. I suppose it was to prevent us from re-entering the ship. This was tough handing them over. I collect them, and I'm hoping to create a game of go fish with them someday or laminate them to create placemats. If I knew this in advance, I would have been more reckless with our CPAS cards. I bet all three of us could have lost our cards at some point during the first 10 nights. I'd also bet I would have been lucky to find them when I unpacked at home. I hope this information provides some background info and possibly helps you assist others. Jeff, this is fantastic, actually, because we do get this question every now and then about being able to disembark a cruise ship early. And I think the if the, the takeaway here, at least at the very least, is you probably should start off two things stand out to me. Number one, send an email to this emergency team at rccl.com email. All that being said, Jeff, I'd still probably call them anyway, the general number and, you know, in my experience with the Royal Caribbean, and it, I think it's a fair observation, you can get different answers from different people, and there's probably three different ways to do the same thing with Royal Caribbean. But at the very least, you want to obviously put the request in before your cruise. That is without a doubt the way to go. And number two, evidently there is a cost to do so. Uh, I'm not sure where that $65 goes to. Is that through Royal? Is that to the port agents? I don't know. But um, I, th I think you definitely want to be aware of that, and you also want to be able to have that in writing. The last thing you want to do, essentially, is just go on the cruise, and then, like, the day of, be like, hey, you know what, by the way, I want to get off the cruise ship today. Like, I feel like that would cause a problem for you. So, thanks, Jeff, for the email. I really do appreciate it. Good, good stuff right there. Next, we have an email from Carlos Perez, who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for all the great info on Royal Caribbean. My family and I are selling on Oasis of the Season, August 2020. My question has to do with paying for the drink packages. We are selling with my brother-in-law and his family, and have several rooms where cousins will be sharing rooms. I'm wondering if there's any way to divide up the drink packages where we pre-purchase within that room so I pay for the children and my, my brother-in-law pays for his. I know all members of the room have to get the drink package if we're purchasing them, but is there any way to divide up those payments? Hope my question makes sense and thanks again for all you do. So Carlos, let me, um, you may know this, but since you didn't explicitly say it, I'm going to mention it here. Number one, the rule is, you're right about the rule to some extent. The rule is with Royal Caribbean with the unlimited alcohol package, a.k.a. the deluxe beverage package, if one adult in a room buys it, Carlos, then all the other adults in the same room must purchase the deluxe beverage package, right? 
This doesn't apply to children. So if you have anyone who's under 21 in that in that same room, they don't have to buy a drink package. If one someone's buying the Royal Refreshment package or the soda package, this rule does not apply. So I want to make that crystal clear here because I know you mentioned cousins and I don't know ages here. So I just want to make that really, really clear. Number two, if you want to split up the total cost, I think the only way you could really do it is call Royal Caribbean and, and purchase the drink package. And when they get the payment, ask them to split it up among two payment methods. On the website, I am not familiar with the means of which to do this. So I would think your best bet is to call them and, and say, hey, look, I want to do this. And by the way, can we split up the cost, you know, for person A on this card and person B on that card? Um, that'd be the only other way I could reasonably do it other than obviously waiting on board the ship and person B would be tied to one particular payment form, whereas person A would be on another one. That is definitely possible. But Carlos, I wouldn't recommend that because you're going to end up paying more for the drink package if you wait to book it on board the ship. So in my opinion, I think you're better off just calling them and before your cruise, purchase that drink package and make sure you split up the cost payments uh, accordingly. I think that's, that's how I would approach it anyway. Next, we have an email from Elizabeth who writes, Hi Matt, we'll be on Anthem in March. Any suggestions on transportation to Cocoa Beach while we're in Port Canaveral? Thanks for all you do. No, no doubt about it, you want to take a Lyft or Uber. I would just get off the ship, get the app, have the app downloaded already, and then just request a, a Lyft or Uber ride. I think it's the way to go. There are taxis there. There are probably even some bus transportation available, but it might be, well, it, it should be a little more convenient, I think, to use Lyft or Uber. It really depends. I mean, my thing is, I'm not a big fan of taxis in general. I think most of the cars are just not up to standards, and I'd rather go into Lyft or Uber. It's a little more straightforward, a little more control over it. Um, I think it's easier, but there are going to be taxis standing by there in order to take you. If you just want to go that route, I wouldn't necessarily blame you because of the, they're literally sitting right there. But Lyft or Uber is always my recommendation uh, to be able to do any of these shore excursions or just go to Cocoa Beach to visit for a little bit. I think it's a good idea right there. So thanks, Elizabeth, for the email. Next up, we have an email from Vicky who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm so excited to be writing you. I'm from the Tampa Bay area, and like most listeners, I'm a big fan of your podcast, videos, and blog. Thanks for letting me live my cruise dreams through your content. Apologies in advance if this email is a bit long. I have some very specific questions. I've been on three cruise ships, all with the Royal Caribbean into the Bahamas, and we've loved them. For my next cruise, I was thinking of doing one from Singapore on Quantum of the Seas in 2021. I did check out past cruise compasses like you always suggested, but I couldn't seem to find many reviews or vlogs online from past cruisers. I'm assuming it's because this itinerary on Quantum is kind of new and just started in 2019. For international cruises like this one, I assume that besides English, announcements and information on the ship can be in another language. My first question is, what's the language to be used for shore excursions and onboard activities that require communication, like trivia or the escape room? Unless my group has enough people to make up an entire booking for something like the escape room, wouldn't there be a high chance that the passengers could be grouped with people who may not speak the same language, given the ship caters a lot to the Asian market? And my second question is about currency exchange. The itinerary starts in Singapore, stops in Malaysia and Thailand, and then returns to Singapore. That's three different countries. What do you recommend for exchanging currency for these countries to ensure good rates? And my third question is regarding cruising with a friend from another country. For the Singapore trip, I'm hoping to have my best friend join us. She's from China, and I'm assuming the booking process is different from what you do in the United States. Do you have any tips or cross-continent friends want to cruise together? What can we do to ensure we can be connected to prevent any headaches? For example, sitting together for dinner, having closed staterooms, booking same excursions, etc. Lastly, is there a travel agent you recommend? Vicky, really appreciate the email. This is really, really good stuff, something we really haven't touched upon a whole lot. So I'm gonna go backwards 
in your emails. For some reason, I always find that easier to answer. I don't know, call me crazy, but I always answer listener emails backwards. But is there a travel agent you recommend? Yes, I always recommend and personally use MEI Travel. They are a sponsor of RollerCreamBlog.com, Vicky, so full disclosure, but I've been using them even before they were a sponsor. I think that highly of them and they do a great job. And in fact, Vicky, because of the global reach of RollerCreamBlog.com, MEI Travel actually has permission from Royal Caribbean to book anyone from around the world. So as an example, Vicky, your friend could book through MEI Travel. And the advantage for you would be if you book through them and your friend book through them, well, the same agent can coordinate your dinner plans, being able to sit together for dinner. And uh, it, it might make the, the, the nature of trying to coordinate all those logistics a little bit easier. So really what you're gonna need at the very least is obviously her, your friend's last name, as well as the um, reservation number. If you have the same travel agent, boy, it's simple because you just have, hey, link us together, put us in the same dining, et cetera, they can do that for you. So that's what I would definitely recommend. For a currency exchange, number one, I think when you travel internationally in general, US dollars are always a good idea. If I were you, now granted, I have not taken this itinerary. And if anybody has some good suggestions here, please feel free to uh, leave a comment on this week's episode on Um, But I would tell you, if I were doing this, I would bring US dollars and I would kind of go with the flow depending on the port, because you're right, there's different currencies in Malaysia versus Thailand versus Singapore. And what I would do is I would bring US dollars and I might see where it goes in terms of where you are in port. In general, this is a gross generalization, but people generally across the world will take US dollars. Very few countries that are like, oh no, we don't take them. You know what I mean? You might not get the best exchange rate from some dude who's selling you a beer in Thailand, but at the same time, they still take US dollars. And that's how I would go about it. And obviously if you're in one of these countries and clearly the local currency is, is more advantageous to have, then you can always go exchange it. It's not usually too hard to exchange currency in any of these countries. So maybe that's how I would, I would um, approach it anyway. And lastly was your first question about the languages. Regardless of where Royal Caribbean operates, the primary language is always English. You're right, sometimes they do have a secondary language. As an example, when I went on a cruise out of Puerto Rico, um, they would do the announcements in both English and Spanish. And so I imagine if you're selling out of Asia, you're gonna have multiple languages as well. Um, but English is the primary language. And as far as I am aware, activities on board like trivia are still done and held in English. So you should expect that to be the case because again, it is still a Royal Caribbean cruise, despite the fact you are sailing out of Asia. And in terms of, you know, getting cruise compasses, which by the way, excellent approach. It's always something I do recommend. You're right. It's hard to get, generally speaking, cruise compasses information from sailings outside of North America and Europe. Once you get beyond those areas and Australia to some extent, um, there's a lot less people who cruise there or at least a lot less people that, I mean, there's far few fewer sailings and thus far fewer people who go on them and thus far few people are sharing those information back to us here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So you are at the mercy of the internet in a lot of cases, Vicky, but I would recommend maybe posting some of these questions or additional questions you may have on our message boards at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I think they're very helpful and you get, you'd be surprised how many people do uh, visit those, those sites and are able to share their, their experiences as well. Next, we have an email from Murph who writes, I'm cruising uh, on Majesty of the Seas with a friend who's diabetic. Are there any special requests he needs to make in regards to pull it, putting insulin in the fridge? Thanks again for the great podcast. Keeps me and my fellow cruisers up to date with the latest on Royal Caribbean. So with your friend who's a diabetic and needs to be able to store insulin, you're gonna need a different kind of fridge because the mini fridge that's in your room while present is more, it is more, it doesn't really, I, I don't believe it goes down to a certain temperature. Anyway, long story short, you're gonna need a special fridge which Royal Caribbean can provide you at no additional cost. I would recommend Murphy fill out the special needs form 
just Google Royal Caribbean special needs form and you will find that exact form there and you make the special request for uh, for your for the diabetic needs as well as being able to uh, dispose of the needles, um, the, you know, the used needles, you can, they can provide that for you as well. I believe that's a sharps container, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, they can do all that for you, Murph. And I think even on board, something like that, it's a pretty common thing. They can provide it on board, but as you know, Murph, I'm always about pre-planning. And so I think your best bet is to make that request earlier on rather than just sort of risk it once you're on board the ship. Next, we have an email from Melinda who writes, just a couple questions. Is it true that there are different options to purchase the alcohol package on board? And if so, what are the packages and prices? Um, also, if my daughter decides to purchase the package on board instead of through an agent, would it be cheaper? And can she pay cash on board for the package? She has no credit card. All right, let's answer this question, Linda. Number one, a drink package is always cheaper online than on board the ship. Unless you're Diamond Plus or Pinnacle, it's, it's not even a, a question in my mind that it is cheaper to buy it online Royal Caribbean provides a pre-cruise discount. The price will be higher on board the ship. So your daughter should definitely buy it before the cruise, number one. Number two, the options available in terms of drink packages are exactly the same on board versus online. The only difference, it costs more on board the ship. And lastly, you cannot use cash. What you could do instead, if you wanted to buy anything on board the ship, I should say, is you're going to obviously have a cash account in your CPAS account, but what your daughter would have to do is go to guest relations, deposit the cash, and then turn around and go buy the actual drink package or what have you. And then that would obviously go against the, the balance that she deposited and you're good to go. But I'm telling you right now, pre-purchase it. It is definitely the way to go, Linda. I think your daughter will absolutely save money by doing that. Next, we have an email from Luke Ritz. Matt, thanks for all you do with the blog and podcast. I want to share a couple experiences with our recent cruise to help out your listeners. Cruising out of Galveston, we decided to drive down a day early and stayed at the Baymont by Wyndham Galveston and learned that they offer free parking while on your cruise. If you're comfortable leaving your car in an ungated lot and taking a $15 to $20 ride share to the terminal in both directions, it could be worthwhile. We were told that a lot of the hotels in the area offer similar deals, so it's probably worth contacting any hotel you're interested in to see if they have that. We opted to park at a paid lot near the terminal that we've used before, Easy Cruise Parking. It's only about a 10 minute walk from the terminal. I've walked it before, but they also have shuttles and constantly go back and forth. And we use the service this time. They also have free chargers for electric cars, but only a few, and most are first come first serve. The cost is pretty reasonable, and they have a large gated lot with tall fences and lots of stuff that are around all day. We only had two stops on our cruise, Cozumel and Progresso. Cozumel was great as always, but Progresso was a new one for us, and I wanted to share the current state of the port. The cruise terminal is very small, with a dozen or so of the typical souvenir shops, but the terminal itself is quite far from the main town at the end of the jetty, or maybe a causeway. We didn't arrange any excursion through Royal Caribbean, but a local company offered free shuttles to Progresso, which is a good 10-minute ride. At the end of the trip is a short sales pitch to tell you about some of the tours they offer, which seem like a fair trade for the ride. The downside is this ride is that you're dropped off about six blocks from the beach, and Progresso is definitely not a tourist town yet. There are many roads under construction, rough sidewalks, and areas with no sidewalks and no signage for the beach access. A few locals along the streets were offering $10 rides to a private beach area, but we opted to keep walking and made it to the free public beach in about another 10 minutes. You can tell that they're doing a lot of work to redo the roads near the public beach, but it looked like it could be a while before it'll be a typical Caribbean tourist beach town. One example, there is a market area on the walk between the bus and the beach terminal. And while there are lots of different food and shop vendors, I didn't notice any English and it was clearly for the locals. For some people, this might be great. For others, not so much. They were handing out free maps before we got to the bus to the town. I'm glad I grabbed one because I, look, I had to look at it several times as we wandered back to the bus terminal. Another couple from our ship stopped us and asked us if we knew where we were going and we led them back. 
The beach itself was fine, with many restaurants on the beach offering drink and food service and even massages. We didn't opt for any of these, but many people did. For some, this might be a great way to see a less commercialized, less touristy part of Mexico, but for others, it'll probably seem a little too rustic. Keep up the great work and have a good one. Luke, I really appreciate this because number one, I have never been to Progreso. I really want to go. Progreso is one of those ports in Mexico on the east side of Mexico, so the same side as like Cozumel or Costa Maya, that I think, I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure unless you're cruising out of Galveston, you're not going to Progreso. Um, because I've done enough Western Caribbean sailings, you would think that that'd be an option. Um, I have heard, by the way, Progreso is like the best port to go to to visit Chichen Itza because it's the closest in proximity compared to Cozumel or Costa Maya. Um, so for what that's worth, I'll just throw that out there. I would like to try it out. I think it's worth, number one, it's a port that's in the Caribbean. I need to, I really should in the name of research, try out there. And Luke, I think this is going to help a lot of people out as well because I'm sure there's a lot of other folks who have never sailed there as well. Next, we have an email from Sandra Johnson, who writes, I've just recently found your podcast and I'm addicted. You're obviously a Royal Caribbean aficionado and expert in all things Royal Caribbean, so you're my first go-to for this information. We're loyal Royal Caribbean cruisers and on a sailing on Harmony of the Seas will be our 13th cruise. We're taking our family, including seven grandchildren, 15 of us in all. Normally, we purchase a deluxe beverage package. However, with the kiddos coming along, we feel our usual habits of spending time in the bars will not be the norm on this cruise. Where Diamond and I have read in several places that three free drinks are loaded on the sheet fast card and can be used anywhere on the ship. After a call to Royal Caribbean, they're saying would have to be used in the Diamond Lounge. What is your experience with any of this? Love your updates. Look forward to many more. Thanks for all the helpful info. Sandra, thanks for the email. So you are both right. Yes. Yeah, so here's how it works. As a Diamond member, you get every evening in the Diamond Lounge from, it depends on the ship, Sandra, but let's say, I don't know, 4.30 to 8, 8.30, something like that. So a couple hours, there are unlimited select beverages available in the Diamond Lounge. Uh, beer, wine by the glass, uh, some cocktails, but it's, it is complimentary as advertised. And when you're in a Diamond Lounge, during these times, you can enjoy unlimited drinks there that are included. There's a, obviously the menu, the Diamond menu is, you can't get anything in there, but they do have some nice choices there. Now, that being said, you did hear right. In addition to the Diamond Lounge, during those same hours of the day, you can go to any bar or restaurant or lounge on board the ship and enjoy up to three drinks per person per day. So it's only during those times. So not at 9 a.m., but between, like I said, 4.30 to 8 o'clock or so, if you don't want to go to the Diamond Lounge or it's busy or what have you, you can go to the to the Schooner Bar or Boleros or any bar on, on board the ship. Just mention, hey, I, I'm a Diamond member. I want to use my Diamond drinks here. And as long as you're between those times, which are clearly... Um, illustrated both on the diamond menu and in the diamond lounge, you're good to go. So you can use them interchangeably. So yes, Sandra, you could start off your evening, going to the diamond lounge, having a bunch of drinks there, and then go to a bar uh, or, or restaurant on board the ship during the same hours and be able to get in addition to what you had in the diamond lounge up to three drinks per person per day. Hope that makes sense there, Sandra, because it is a really, really lucrative perk. And I got to tell you as a diamond member myself, it, it, it is a bit of a consideration when you're trying to decide between that drink package, you know, do you get one or you not get one? And in a lot of cases, being a diamond member really does alter that map, assuming you like the drinks that are that are available on the diamond menu. Because again, it's not every drink that you can get at any bar. There is a sub selection of drinks available. Um, it's fine for most basic cocktails and a beer or a glass of wine, um, but it's not if you if you're kind of a pickier uh, connoisseur of alcohol, you may not enjoy it, but it's, it's complimentary. You can't go wrong with free. So there you go. And our last email today is coming to us from Rick and Donna Smith of Houston, Texas, who writes, 
Hi, Matt, you demand Hodgeberg. Thanks for all you do in keeping us informed on all aspects of Royal Caribbean Cruising. My husband and I have listened to every one of your podcasts and our Royal Caribbean blog, Insiders. Thank you for being an insider, by the way. I have a question about tipping in the main dining room. We prepay our gratuities and always will. However, do you tip the dining room server in addition to that? On our last couple of cruises, in addition to the prepaid gratuities, we tipped our two servers $5 each per meal and $10 each on the last night of the cruise. Total for each server was about $40 cash on top of the prepaid gratuities. Please tell me and be honest if you think we're being cheap. And again, thanks for all you do in the Royal Caribbean stratosphere. Rick and Donna, I don't think you're being cheap at all. I think, in fact, I'll be honest, I think you're, I, I don't want to say, I was going to say you're over tipping. It's not really an accurate way of saying it, but the gratuities you pay as part of the automatic gratuities that Royal Caribbean has, I think are totally fair and appropriate. And I think do cover the gamut of what is considered to be, you know, expected service in the main dining room. On some occasions when I have really good wait staff who really seem to care and take, maybe go an extra step or two, absolutely. I will tip them extra. I don't do it per meal or I usually do it at the end of the cruise, quite frankly, if I'm going to tip them extra. But number one, the automatic gratuities are absolutely appropriate for what you're doing. You should not feel like you, um, you know, if you don't, tip them extra you're you're being cheap and in fact the fact that you're tipping them extra for each meal and then at the end of the cruise that's not being cheap at all i, I think again you're erring on the side of over tipping which isn't a bad thing please don't get me wrong here i don't think you're making a mistake there's absolutely nothing wrong with rewarding excellent service as as you should um but you should also feel confident that when you're in the dining room and you have paid your automatic gratuities, which you clearly have, Rick and Donna, there's, that's totally cool as well. That's that's very much in line. So again, have I had experiences where the weights have gone above and beyond and I tip them cash in addition to that? Absolutely. It's one of those things where you know, in, in, in kind of in your pit of your stomach, you know that they deserve something extra because they're clearly working harder for you, especially if you cruise before. And Rick and Donna, you definitely cruise before. So. I really feel like, you know, you kind of know like, wow, this staff is really doing something special there. And in other situations where they're doing a great job, don't get me wrong, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're doing the service you're expecting of them. That's cool, you pay your gratuities, that's what it's going towards. So, you know, you should feel confident in that as well. So I hope that answers a little bit of your question, but at the very least, you are not being cheap. I can promise you that. So uh, guys, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again real soon.